Namaste, how are ye? Welcome back to the Candle Tales podcast, where we tell stories from Irish mythology and folklore and chat about them. With this series of stories, we are telling, and in some cases retelling, the classics of Irish myths. If you don't know much about Irish mythology, you might be familiar with these stories. And if you're just starting off, starting to explore the wonderful world of Irish mythology, these are a really good place to start. Of course, you have loads of other podcasts you can start listening to if you want to go back. This story is the story of Fionn and the Dragon. This podcast is brought to you by our supporters at Patreon. You can join them by going over to patreon.com forward slash candletales or make a one-time donation by the PayPal button on our website. Like and share and above all, enjoy these stories. For now, here's Erica. Tell us a story, will you? Samhain was approaching. The start of a new year. The day that stands outside of time. The day that's in the year and a day. The ending of the old year, the extinguishing of the fires. And the kindling of the new. Facing into the long dark of the winter. Celebrating the last harvests. And it was a busy time at Tara. But it was a time too. Of dread. For the last 23 years. Tara had been burned. On Samhain. For the last 23 years, something had emerged and played sweet music on a tympan. And that music was so sweet that all who heard it fell into a slumber. Every year, no matter how hard they tried, their eyes would grow heavy, their heads would nod and they would all sleep and every year without fail they would wake to the burning of the hall around them and so every year the seat of the high king had to be rebuilt from the ground up to move the place of kingship was unthinkable Tara was where the Leofall was Tara was the seat of the High Kings. There was no moving. But this situation was becoming untenable. And the High King was trying to find some solution. For the last few years now, the Fianna had come the greatest warriors of Ireland, sworn to protect all who lived there, regardless of their tribe or their allegiance. Sworn to protect them, not just from raiders from overseas, but also from those threats of the other world. Exactly the kind of threats as a creature that might emerge at Samhain. 
lull everyone to sleep and burn down the High King's Hall and disappear again without a trace. But the Fianna too fell under the spell of that music, the sound of that timpon. It lulled them just as it lulled everyone else. And so the High King was beginning to wonder what the use of them was at all. Sitting in his hall, eating his feasts. Too proud to chip in with the rebuilding. But he did not want particularly to pick a fight with their captain. Gull McMorna was a prideful man. And the king didn't want to see what would happen if his pride was challenged. So he bit his tongue. But the resentment and the worry bubbled in his heart. And he looked about his hall. All the riches that were gathered. All the bounty of the harvest and everyone scrambling to pick the last blackberries, the last mushrooms, before Samhain, after which they would be no good. And so he fretted, and he brooded, and he saw no other solution but to wait it out, and rebuild again and hope, again, that no one died in the fire. And then there came a messenger to the king. A youth had arrived. Little more than a boy, but tall he was and strong. And he had come, the messenger said, in search of his birthright, in search of the Fianna. Now the king looked about him, and the king looked to Gull McMorna, and he looked to the other members of the Fianna, and he looked to a few of his own guard, who had once been members of the Fianna and had left. He saw the discomfort on their faces. It was known to him that there had been a feud some time more than ten years before. It was known to him that Gull McMorna had slain the previous captain of the Fianna, Ull. And he tried to read on the faces of the warriors of the Fianna who this youth might be. Gull McMorna growled that he should send the lad away. They had no time for it. They had preparations of their own to make. And the king did not snap at the uselessness of Gull McMorna's preparations last year and the year before that and the year before that as well. He bit his tongue and he raised an eyebrow and Gull McMorna subsided, grumbling. And so the king turned to the messenger and said, bring him. Let's hear what he has to say. 
and in walked the youth. Taller and stronger than his age would suggest, and his hair was a cascade of gold. And he stood before the king. You could tell from the look of him that he lived most of his life outdoors, his skin freckled and bronzed by the sun. The scuffs on his clothes, not those of someone who spent their life at ease and comfort. The cuts across his knuckles, the calluses on his hands, showing someone who lived in the wilderness, who knew how to fend for himself. And the king expected that when the youth spoke, it would be with rough speech. Gull McMorna, the captain of the Fianna, was not the most eloquent person. But this boy, when he spoke, spoke with the poise and the eloquence of a poet. And he said, Quite simply, my name is Fionn McCool. My father was the captain of the Fianna, and I have come to claim the Fianna back as my own. The High King saw Gull McMorna bristle and begin to stand, but he held up a hand. Is it a duel that you're seeking? Is it a single combat with Gull McMorna that you wish for? Is it vengeance that you want? The king asked. And the boy looked between the king and the captain and back to the king again. And he said, I've no need of that. I've told you what I want. The High King thought for a moment. He could, he thought, send this boy away. Have him removed from his hall at Tara. And let him come after Gulmachmorna in his own time. But he was not feeling particularly well disposed towards Gull McMorna these days. This great bluff warrior, who had failed so roundly in his duty to protect the king and to protect Tara. And so he said, A trial then. If it's not to be a single combat, let you prove yourself another way. If you can do what he has not, if you can stop the creature that has come and burned down Tara for the last 23 years, I think you'll have earned the captaincy 
of the Fianna. He could see Gull McMorna wanting to splutter and protest, but he could also see Gull McMorna notice the expressions on the faces of the Fianna. They were all warriors, and they did not bow to weakness. And they did not respect bluster unless it was backed up with strength of arm. And they could see plainly. They knew as well as the king. They had all failed. They had not been able to stop the burning of Tara. And each of them dealt with that failure in their own way. But if this youth could well then this youth would be worthy of their loyalty and their protection however little Gull McMorna might like it Fionn kept his composure he kept himself still even though his heart was hammering in his chest. He kept his two feet planted on the ground, although he longed to shuffle them. He stood straight. He stood still. And he addressed the king, although he could feel the presence of Gull McMorna tugging at the side of his eyes, the longing to look into the face of the man who had killed his father, who he had been hidden from his whole life, lest Gull find him and destroy him before he could grow up to be a challenge. And now he knew he was not quite grown up. But he also knew it was time for him to make this challenge. The one eye of Gull McMorna stared at him, burning into him, and he was equally aware of the empty eye socket that had been knocked out by his father Ool in their fight to the death. It was true that he did not want to fight Gull McMorna and he did not want to start his leadership of the Fianna with bloodshed and more division. He wanted to unite them. He wanted to bring back in all those who'd left after his father's death. He wanted to make them stronger than before. But part of that was up to Gull. And if Gull decided not to accept him, he would have to fight the man and he would have to win. And he put it out of his mind as the king's words sank in. And when he was ushered away to make his preparations, he breathed a sigh of relief. And when he was alone, he put his thumb between his teeth. 
The knowledge came to him as if he'd always known it. As if he were remembering something that he'd learned long ago. That Orlin MacMigna, the fairy musician, lived in the Shi of Finnacad and came out every year playing on his timpalm, playing the sweet music of sleep. And that he waited every year until everyone was asleep before spewing from his mouth molten rocks and fire and setting the hall alight. And he knew that Orlin would watch the flames and then would turn and return to his she for another year. And with this knowledge came the understanding that if he were to defeat this creature, the first and most important thing was that he would have to stay awake. And how he was going to do that, Fionn did not know. Before long there was a knock at the door of the chamber that the king's servant had ushered him into. He expected perhaps more food, more wine. He'd been given great hospitality so far, but high kings are generous. When he opened the door, he saw a man-at-arms, one of the king's guards. Now he looked at the man, and the man looked at him, and he could see the man searching his face for something. And he looked back at a person he had never seen before. But with the looking, he began to see. If his father had lived, this man would be about the age of his father. He was built like a warrior, and he carried himself like a warrior. And he looked too like a man who'd lived hard for many years, and recently started to go perhaps a little soft. Fiaka Makanga introduced himself. I was loyal to your father, Ul, he told Fionn. And after he was killed, I went into service with the High King. But if you mean to lead the Fianna again, to make it what it was. Then I'll follow you. I can see your father and your mother both in your face. And Fionn clasped hands with Fiaka Makanga. And he said, I don't mean to make the Fianna what it was. I mean to make it better. I mean to make it better than it's ever been. And I'm glad of your loyalty 
I'm glad of your support. And I'll take it gratefully. Fiaca nodded. And then he said, I've been holding on to this. And he passed Fionn a spear. It's poison, he said. So mind you don't cut yourself on it. But anyone else you cut on it won't live long. It might be that it'll help you. Fionn took the spear, the burga, and thanked Fiaca. Then he went back to his solitude and his contemplation. The spear was well made, long and feeling light because it was so well balanced. And the blade of it, the vapour from that poison stung the nostrils made the eyes water even smelling it and then Fionn noticed something else about that vapour when night began to fall on Samhain there was a feast there was always a feast even if the world were to end, there would be a feast on Samhain. But there was a note of hysteria under the laughter. The musicians played a little too loudly. The conversation was a little too brittle. Because everyone knew what was coming. They could feast and they could celebrate, but... At some point, they would feel the pull of sleep and after that, they'd wake up to a hole burned to the ground. Fionn could hear them from outside the hall where he waited, armed with the spear that Fiaca had given him, waiting for darkness to come, waiting for the fairy musician to emerge from his she. And as the revelry within reached a peak, he saw. Even in the darkness of the night, he saw the hillside open. And out of it, the tall, thin form of the fairy musician climbed. And he took out his tympan. And he began to play. And the music drifted across. And when Fionn heard it, he felt immediately the wave of dizziness and tiredness that washed over him. He swayed on his feet. And then he took the spear, the burga, the poisoned spear, and he pressed the poisoned tip of it into the flesh of his forehead. And it stung his skin. 
and the vapors stung his nostrils and made his eyes water, and it jolted him awake. But he could hear from inside the hall the sounds of revelry began to fade. As one by one, musicians and servers and feasters began to drop into sleep. And the great tall figure of Eulen strode forward, stepping over the hills and the valleys, long limbs outlined against the starlight and the moonlight, still playing his timpon. But every time a wave of that tiredness washed over Fionn, he took the spear and pressed it again into the flesh of his forehead, felt that jolt of the venom rushing through him, waking him up with his heart pounding and his mouth dry. And then when Olin got close enough, Fionn saw him open his mouth, ready to spit out that burning rock. And it was then that Fionn widened his stance drew back the spear and threw with all his might. He saw the spear fly, and he heard the music of Arlen's timpon crash into him again. With that wave of dizziness, his vision blurred. He felt himself slumping, and then... the music stopped. The creature screamed a howl of agony and turned and fled back to the hill to the she from whence he came, pulling it closed after him. And Fionn heard behind him the hubbub of the hall reawakened, not in celebration now but in fear with shouts of alarm as they all came rushing out to see what had happened. And they saw the youth standing there, the trail of blood leading back to the she-mound. And most importantly, the hall of the High King of Tara, standing intact and unburnt. In the morning, the first day of the new year. Fionn stood before the High King and more importantly before the Fianna. And he said, I have done what you could not do. I have done what your leader could not do. And he remembered then his conversation with Fiaka Makanga. And he said, if you take me as your captain, I won't restore the Fianna to what it was before. Because what it was before was a group on the verge of breaking. 
and then it broke. I'll make it better than it was before. I'll make it what we all dream it could be. I'll make us into a Fianna that'll be on the lips of storytellers until the end of life and time. And to Gull McMorna, he said, You fought my father, and my father fought you. And you took his life, and he took your eye. And I have no wish to keep going on. So if you pay me an Eric for his death, we won't bring it up again. You can be one of the captains of the Fianna and follow me. And Gull McMorna, for all his faults, he could see. He could see looking around at all the faces of the warriors of the Fianna. And he could see looking into his own heart. This youth was a better captain than he would be. And so Gull closed his one eye and bowed his head to his new leader, Fionn McCool.